thank you so much, um, panelists, for, for joining us. Thank you, attendees, for joining us. This is the inaugural virtual panel for the Achieve podcast. Uh, all three of our panelists have been guests on our show. We were very fortunate for that. And um, on the show itself, we focus on life journey and the experiences they've gone through that have brought them to where they are today. Uh, on these virtual panels, we're going to discuss various topics that uh, our guests, our panelists have uh, been involved with uh, career-wise. And so today we are hosting a topic on technology and mindfulness. And for the benefit of the attendees, I'll just quickly share whom you have in front of you. We've got uh, Max Gomez, an entrepreneur. He's co-founder and CEO of Breathwork. We have David DeJesus, a venture capitalist and partner at VU, VU Venture Partners. And Max Josephson, whom I'll call a technologist, because that sounds uh, <laughs> like it encompasses uh, somebody who's steeped in programming, but is also coming from a mindfulness tradition, uh, who is uh, chief technology officer of Double Blind. So uh, thank you all for, for joining. Um, to set the stage a little bit, we kind of know the broad statistics. Um, there are over a billion smartphones uh, out there. Um, I've seen some interesting stats about how more people can access smartphones than toilets. Although uh, maybe those uh, not th those open air um, sewage systems are better for the environment. Who knows? Um, we also know the stats of how addicted we are to our smartphones. Uh, we check phones 150 times a day. We spend 10 hours a day on screen time and about 34 minutes with our loved ones. And so uh, these are just common stats that have been going around for a few years. Um, we're now beginning to hear about some of the paradoxes and problems. And so uh, interestingly, technology has brought us closer to uh, those who are farther away from us while creating more distance with those close to us. Now, I can't take credit for that one. I heard that and I, I don't know whom, to whom I can attribute it, but um, I did craft the following one with the help of my 14-year-old daughter which is that technology has made us more efficient, yet we are left with less downtime. Some of the problems that technology has provided uh, include psychological ones. So we're grappling with isolation, decreased social interaction, to physical problems, uh, problems like obesity, shallow breathing, and tech neck, uh, where it seems like we are always praying. Um, so to dive into it, um, mindfulness has been touted as a way to deal with all kinds of stress in our lives, um, including as a way to counter the negative impact of, of technology that we just talked about. Now, most people would argue that uh, the practice of mindfulness by definition would mean shutting out technology completely. But uh, as the three of you can attest, there could be a way for technology to play a role in mindfulness. So um, I'd love to ask you as a first question, uh, what role can technology play in supporting mindfulness? And I'd love for you to talk about some of your personal experiences with, with respect to that. And so uh, David, I might ask to kick it off with you. 
And uh, oh. if you could chat about your experiences, um, you know, looking at, at music and its impact on athletes. Sure. Um, first, thanks, guys. Uh, and thank you for having me. I've seen this is awesome. Uh, I won't take any, any credit. I'm also not a clinical person. Uh, all the information that I'm going to say as a disclaimer is, is mostly from um, the people that I surround myself with uh, that are specialists and also books that I've taken in. So, but they've also helped me personally, helped me personally as I go about this, um, as, as we're all kind of facing the same thing in, in the technology landscape. Uh, but uh, my first exposure to um, I guess this concept of self-awareness and mindfulness is, is it's as a practice um, kind of came in when, when, you know, you started, you start to take on uh, more challenging roles in life. And that includes a career that's, that's really kind of outside of your comfort zone. Uh, so that imposter syndrome kicks in a lot of that depression kicks in. Uh, and so the coping mechanisms and things that, that come along with that uh, picked up along the way. But specifically to the scope of technology, um, we've seen some awesome, awesome things happen. In, in my personal experience, um, uh, I've worked with uh, Brandon Larson, who I'll give credit to at the High Performance Gym at Red Bull, uh, who's given me a lot of insight into um, you know, stress, your belief systems, your self-awareness, and, and also practices. So one thing that I'd like to pull into this is it, a lot of it has to do with your belief system and belief system is, is kind of a core. Uh, your mindset is another thing that adds to that building block. Uh, I would reference a book in this case for everyone's suggestive reading. Um, Kelly McDonigal is uh, author of um, The Upside of Stress. And, and, you know, and, and also to add to that book is, is a book called Peak Performance, um, where um, I think two doctors, I'll, I'll have to remind myself of the, the authors, but they, they look at uh, high-performing uh, CEOs, high-performing athletes, and the core, the core concept there is it's just small little habits that make them, you know, make them different. And, but it's a heightened self-awareness and a heightened uh, amount of um, self-belief and in your belief system. So those are really core to this. Um, technology, in terms of technology and, and, and the practices that you're able to develop with technology I think that's so super helpful when you already have tuned yourself uh, you're, you already have developed a self-awareness a lot of that work comes internally first and then technology becomes an augmentative tool to to a lot of this so what we've seen for example in studies uh, with with music um, as a as a primer for for getting into a mindset shift uh, is that the athletes are have already up to this point trained their self-awareness and, and, and are constantly working with um, coaches and outside uh, influences to develop that internal sense. And then you can augment it with technology. I don't think if, I guess the, the other part of that is there's not a lot of studies that, that look into the other part, but I think we're also seeing that there are, Kind of white papers developing around depression, the other side of the other side of uh, technology, right? Um, but I do believe I'm more so on the positive side or the augmentative side that that technology definitely has a big role in um, you know pushing that forward. So I'll pause there and 
No, that, that's great. Um, did you want to spend a few seconds highlighting the, the work you did um, in terms of uh, music and its impact? Yeah. Um, um, uh, I guess the, the, to really highlight it, um, we, we raised money toward an innovation project at, at Red Bull. And it was really interesting because um, we know that I think there's a general assumption that music does have an impact you know, via vibration, via its own, you know, its resonance in, in our bodies. It can be very subjective, uh, but there are some core elements there that um, can drive, uh, you know, human valence. And so valence is what we kind of focused on the most. And, you know, there's an emotional components, there's memory components, but mostly it has a lot to do with valence. And whether you're in a positive or a negative state, um, that pulls us into understanding, you know, we, there's a few companies I'd like to cite, which are, uh, there's a company called Echo's Nest, which was acquired by uh, Spotify, but they did the hard work of fingerprinting, you know, almost 52 million songs to develop this, um, this, this category of whether or not this has energy, this is danceable, this has positive or negative valence. And so we used that and we thought that that was kind of interesting because there's a quantitative uh, metric to it. But we also saw that it was kind of wrong. It was, it was actually very wrong in terms of its, uh, its analysis and trying to use that against um, you know, high level Olympic athletes like Lindsey Vaughn. Right. And what we, also, what we more so uh, gathered is that there's specific people on this planet that have the skill to not only observe you, observe an athlete or observe someone in, in activity, but they can also, they also have the, uh, the recall to actually pull music out of their, whether you call it a mental library or their, their mental library <laughs> to make you do something like to, to make you move. And those are DJs. And so specifically, you know, that skill, that curation skill set has always been tried. You know, I think technologies has, has always tried to um, emulate that, that skill set. And that skill set when, when evolved uh, can be super powerful. And um, what I did for this project was I brought on, um, one of my good friends from high school, but he is a DJ for the, for the CrossFit games and other Olympic athletes and, uh, gymnasts and, and different programs where he programs music specifically for their performance. Uh, so improved performance. So it's a little bit of priming, but also in the act, they can keep, you know, keep tabs. They, they, they have this mental kind of memory with, with the music and it's tied to him. So we thought, we thought we were onto something quite amazing. And uh, I thought it was awesome because it tied really well into the protocols, but I, we also realized that it's not a scalable, right. you know, it's, it's not a totally scalable thing just yet until, you know, until AI kicks in and, and we're just okay. taking over, but yeah. yeah. No, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, Max Gomez, um, when we had our uh, conversation for the podcast, I was very impressed with um, how uh, at a time when you were contemplating a career in medicine, you worked as an EMT and it uh, kind of brought into focus the importance of breath. And uh, I think it's phenomenal that you are now co-founder of a firm called Breathwork. So chat about that. And again, the question is, how can technology support mindfulness? 
Yeah, interesting. It's funny enough because when I first had the experience with breath was in a more clinical settings and EMT, learning that and then applying that to patients when meeting them and going into, you know, high stressful situations or situations where people are kind of uncertain and unsure. And one of the first things that the teachers at EMT is to actually, you get their heart rate. So you can tell very quickly if someone's heart rate is very high, but as you're getting their heart rate, you look at their breathing pattern too. So if they're breathing extremely fast, they're actually not properly oxygenating their body and they're actually almost kind of suffocating themselves and expelling too much CO2. So the next practice would be giving them an oxygen mask or telling them to breathe slowly and to sit you know, in a proper position so you can actually use your diaphragm in order to breathe properly. And it was something that I learned five years ago when I was working as an EMT. And then as I was going through college, I just completely forgot about that. And, you know, I, like everyone else, I'm always on my phone, I'm always leaning forward. Um, you know, I, I breathe shallow. And it wasn't until a few years after college where I really started to get into a really anxious state and some things happened in my life, which led me to a therapist. And one of the first things he noticed was he's like, hey, like you're not breathing right. You're breathing very shallow. And let's just teach you how to breathe properly as one of the ways to help alleviate this anxiety you've been experiencing. And it was, you know, in that experience of learning how to breathe properly when I realized like, oh, this is pretty, this is, you know, I can't believe I forgot about this. It's something so simple, something so easy that we all have access to. And it was in that point where, you know, I always grew up with the phone. So I'm always thinking technology first. So my first thing was, is there anyone who has made something that could help guide me through breathing? Um, and I think that's one big thing that we could use technology for in the mindfulness category is, to help have a guidance system to help you get through these things. I think a huge discovery point, you know, not everyone has access to a therapist. So a huge discovery point is through online, through uh, videos, through YouTube, through brands, and, you know, even social media. So people need an access point to discover what they can do in order to help improve themselves. Um, you know, I was very fortunate enough to have a therapist in the clinical setting teach me through these exercises, but I think many people lack access to that. So it's technology does play an important role in helping you discover these things. And, you know, it's all about finding what works for you out there. I think it's a little bit tough right now when there's just so much content on the internet and there's so much content overload. It's almost, you don't know who to trust anymore. And in a way technology has the dark side of it be, being too engulfing and too kind of stimulating and actually attributing to more stress and more anxiety. Um, especially, you know, with always the news of always something crazy happening or terrible happening. Um, we're always in these highly anxious states. Um, but having something that can help you guide you through these anxious states and to help you check in on yourself, I think is really important. And um, I know Max Joseph, Josephine, uh, Josephson talks about this too. He, you know, is thinking about integrating of wearables into, into mindfulness. So we could actually, tr you could actually track um, you know, heart rate changes or heart rate variability changes or skin conductivity changes, and then be proactive in how, you know, technology can help you be more mindful. So if your heart rate increases and you're actually sitting down in a chair or at work, you can send some of the vibrational patterns that you either breathe to or a reminder to go and meditate or to have a step back and have a different thought. And I think that's where technology can play a really important role in, in helping get these people out of their, these stressful mindsets that technology also puts them in at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And no, I appreciate that, Max. Could you also spend a few seconds talking about how your app does more than just remind people to breathe? Like there's a functionality there around breath 
that is particularly meaningful because there are some naysayers that say, okay, I get it, mm -hmm. read more deeply, but mm -hmm. share about how technology can be much more supportive than just a notification. Yeah, so with breathing, you know, humans are really, so one big thing with breathing is, is knowing the correct timing of breathing, how to inhale, how to exhale, where to inhale, so breathe with your diaphragm, and then staying with it for a duration of time. So one of the biggest problems that humans have is we have a terrible way of measuring time in our mind. So if you're in a good mood, time is, goes flies by. If you're in a bad mood, time takes forever. So when you're in a stressful situation and you need to know the breathing pattern and the way to breathe, it's really helpful to be guided and guided and cued through it. And what we do with our platform is we have visuals, so very simple circles that move in and out, and they're not overly stimulating because I believe we live in an overly stimulated world. Um, then we have sound that accompany that and also vibrations on top of that. So having that full experience it really helps guide and keep you within the within the breathing pattern, within the, the process of it. And to really fully benefit from it, you have to stick with it. And I think it's pretty interesting because um, I think other mindfulness practices, sometimes like meditation, it seems counterintuitive to have um, a person guiding you through it or to be on your phone, which is the whole idea is to get away from it. But with something like breathing, it, it is important to really do it properly and to really check in and to be guided through it because you need to be doing it right the whole entire time. Um, it's not just you can't wander off on it. Um, so I think that's yeah. where it comes in play. Great, thank you. Uh, Max Josephson, um, you've done a tremendous amount of programming work in this arena. You've uh, had um, experiences with Spire, with, with Apple, with Magic uh, Leap. Uh, so, uh, and you were the one who really highlighted to me the issue that, um, uh, that when people are sitting in front of their screens, they can go up to a minute without breathing and then suddenly have this shock, tra almost traumatic experience reaction to come back to it. So um, tell us how, uh, in your view, can technology support mindfulness? Well, I would first like to, um, you know, give it an, a take with technology and mindfulness, which is that maybe just 10 years ago you would uh when if you're meditating if you're learning how to meditate your practice is very much about how can you use that to be more mindful in the 99 percent of your day when you're not meditating and um and today what is that 99 percent? but that 99 percent is a lot of it most of it is on the screen so i would actually say that um the kind of uh, like one of the things the Buddha, the, the, the Buddha said is that you want to teach somebody meditation so that in the context of their life. And our lives right now are very much technology centric. So I definitely, I think that there is a lot of benefit to really wisely using technology and getting off of it at times too. And I start every morning without technology. Um, but I would say that, you know, as far as mindfulness and technology, it's really um, our, the mindfulness practice is now entering a world where it's, it's being experienced on technology. So I think it's actually a lot less counterintuitive today than it maybe was even just a short time ago. Um, and I think that um, one of the uh, one of the shifts there's many shifts happening with um, with technology. And as um, David was saying, is um, he was saying that, you know, it's really important to kind of 
know your belief system, know yourself so that you can um, know how to use the technology and not have it use you. There's this great pro, uh, this phrase, which is program or be programmed, which is basically if you're not setting up your own, um, you know, just it's not just your life, but also your technology, then you're going to fall into basically marketing and somebody else's marketing. And it may not be the most um, auspicious people. And um, so I, I definitely think that um, giving the technology is a double-edged sword, but that um, I really have a lot of faith that uh, mindfulness can inject a, a, not just um, great experiences in technology, but can actually um, shape the base level of using technology. Um, I'm really interested in technology that can run in the background while you're using a computer, such as um, Apple's new screen time for the iPhone is a great example of that, something that is working for you um, against maybe some of the um, dark patterns in the human psyche, like getting addicted to little oxytocin rushes from the likes or something like that, or um, not being able to set something down. And so I think that um, there's a lot of great tools um, that are just starting to be possible and where um, mindfulness can be part of the experience of the technology itself, apart from just um, an app um, that where you're dedicating some time to learn meditation. And so I, I think that um, as far as mindfulness goes, um, a lot of people don't have very much experience with meditation um, and that's changing pretty quickly, but even so, um, I'm really hoping that, you know, tools like Breathwork um, and Insight Timer and Headspace can kind of show somebody, give somebody an entry to mindfulness. Um, one of the things that I also work with um, is uh, psychedelics. I'm CTO of Double Blind, which is a magazine and website um, that talks about using psychedelics um, to um, to create a a uh, belief to help your belief system change something more to be more positive um, and also um, to help you integrate experiences um, like uh, meditation into your life and kind of get a touch of what it can be like to be outside of the kind of normal process of your mind and I think that um, technology has a lot of promises for that and that's probably um, one of the reasons why I am more of an optimist uh, with technology than a lot of people, because even though it's causing a lot of problems, um, I think that um, it's hard to fathom where we could be in 30 years with like Neuralink having our brain waves and really setting off, uh, you know, a revolution in mental health. Well, well, and uh, psychedelics, of course, give us the uh, the old school technology that doesn't rely on any screen time at all. <laughs> Achieve is recorded at Subtractive in Hangar 8 at the Santa Monica Airport. Music is produced by Hennedy.